Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I would be lost without my smartphone. I use it for directions, to find things to do, and most importantly, where to eat. I rely on it as a digital music player to enhance my experience as I explore a new place. Oh, and sometimes I even use it to make calls and stuff. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. We all can't help but wonder what adventure lies just over the next ridge. A Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada will take you there. If you're taking on your adventure in a new 2024 Nissan Rogue, class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the 2024 Nissan Rogue. Nissan's SUV has the capabilities to take you where you want to go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? It's time for the tech news for Tuesday, May 23rd, 2023. And first up, we got a couple of stories about how social network platforms facilitated the rapid spread of misinformation and how that, in turn, created more chaos. Also, uh, this first one has a dash of AI in it. So that's a bonus. So first up, yesterday, an AI-generated image showing a plume of dark smoke that appeared to be the result of an explosion that was apparently near the Pentagon here in the United States went viral. But as I said, that image was AI-generated. There was no such explosion that happened anywhere close to the Pentagon. In fact, if you zoomed in a bit on that image, you would see that there were some hinky to the image. There were details in the photo that looked a bit off, kind of like how, you know, if you do an AI generated image of a person, the AI just doesn't seem to get fingers right. Often the fingers in images that are generated by AI are the things of nightmares. 
I guess AI just thinks that we have spaghetti at the end of our hands. Anyway, at the time of this recording, I haven't seen anything about who might have generated the image initially. Uh, reportedly, it was actually on Facebook before it really took off on Twitter. We do know that several Russian-based news sites, or propaganda sites, depending upon your point of view, ran with this story, and they published it as a breaking news item. And it even caused a small dip in the stock market. But this stumble corrected itself once word got out that the whole thing was just a hoax. So this is a case where misinformation really was more of an inconvenience than a real threat because of the rapid response and, and the debunking of this image. But it does show that, again, social networks really facilitate incredible rapid spread of misinformation. Now let's go to story number two, and this one takes place in the UK. Now, this one doesn't involve AI, but it does involve social networks and a very real tragedy. So yesterday, a couple of teenagers were riding on an off-road bike or scooter uh, in Cardiff, Wales, and they got involved in a traffic accident, and both teenagers died from their injuries. Now that is undeniably terrible, a horrible loss. Police then arrived on the scene of the accident, but on social media, there was this narrative that began to form that accused the police of actually causing the accident. The narrative said that the police were in a pursuit and that in turn created the accident in which the two teenagers lost their lives. But that was just not true. The police weren't involved in a pursuit. There was no police presence until after the accident happened and police were called to the scene. However, this didn't stop the story from spreading online rapidly and people in the community began to assemble. And what started off as kind of a demonstration of anger toward police escalated into a full-blown riot with the crowd throwing stuff at police officers. Uh, some of those police officers suffered injuries, although from what I understand, none of them were really serious injuries. And again, it turned out that the story that the police had contributed to this accident was just a lie. But the time that message was getting out there, things were already out of control. The crowd continued to roam the streets until the early hours of this morning, and then they dispersed. Now, to be clear, I do not think it's fair to blame social networks for the actual misinformation. Rather, social networks facilitated the spread of misinformation. They didn't make it. They just made it way easier for it to spread around. Now, I do not know if any recommendation algorithms played a part in that. It's possible because the algorithm could promote stories that seem to be driving a lot of engagement among people of a specific region, right? It might be, oh, people around you are really interested in this particular story. And then you get served up that story and it perpetuates itself. That's a possibility. But I don't know for a fact that that happened. But, you know, it's a possibility. And, and at the very least, it definitely did spread across social media. Now, misinformation has been a thing long before social networks ever existed. And rumors have passed around well and truly without social networks, right? So it's not like if we got rid of social networks, this would no longer be a problem. It's just that it's extremely efficient to spread misinformation at this point, uh, much more so than it was in the past. 
And now let's talk about end-to-end encryption. It continues to face challenges from political leaders around the world. Uh, I've talked about how many nations, including the United States, have looked for ways to work around end-to-end encryption or perhaps even ban it outright. And it's usually in the desire to scan messages for signs of illegal content. Uh, So it could be Uh, an attempt to look for communication between would-be terrorists or to search for evidence of people trafficking in illegal materials like child pornography. Spain's government has joined the list of governments that are very much taking aim at end-to-end encryption. This is not a unique view, even in the European Union. There are lots of countries in the EU that have proposed creating rules that would allow a government to scan and monitor communications, which means that you would have to get rid of end-to-end encryption because the very nature of end-to-end encryption is that only the people at either end can access the encrypted information. So anyone who tries to intercept the information somewhere in the middle, they're just going to be left with encrypted nonsense. They can't read it. Now, this is a really complicated problem. So on the one hand, you do have the legitimate concern that more needs to be done, for example, to protect children from becoming victims. I think it's hard to deny that, right? That we need to be better at protecting children from child predators. On the other hand, this measure means an end to private communication. And there are some situations where such communication is absolutely critical. You know, authoritarian governments could abuse and have abused this kind of process to crack down on perceived threats. And those threats might just be someone like a journalist or an activist or, you know, a political rival. And yeah, it's all done in the name of protecting the state, but it really comes down to an authoritarian display of power and denying other people the right to privacy. And I can't pretend to have the answers here. I don't think getting rid of end-to-end encryption is a good idea, however. Now, one agency that would probably love to see end-to-end encryption go away is the FBI. I say that with, you know, some level of confidence because the U.S. Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court released an April 2022 opinion detailing more than 275,000 instances of the FBI conducting warrantless searches of citizen communications between 2020 and early 2021. Now, I should add that opinion, that court opinion is also highly redacted. So there are a lot of blacked out spots in that report. But essentially, it's saying the FBI searched through communications more than a quarter of a million times of presumably American citizen communications without securing a warrant to do it in one year. Now, the FBI was relying on the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, F-I-S-A, which allows for warrantless digital searches and monitoring of communication, but only for communications between foreign individuals outside of America. Like, it's not supposed to be used to spy on communications of American citizens. However. The law allows officials to do a sort of three degrees of separation style game. They can look at the target's communication. So they've identified somebody that they want to surveil for whatever reason. 
this person's a foreign individual. They're not in the United States and thus there's no warrant needed. So they look at the target's communications, but then they can also look at whom the target has been in contact with. Then they can even go one step further. They can look at the contacts that the contact had. So let's say you got an old fishing buddy and your old fishing buddy happens to be friends with a shady person who turns out to have been on the FBI's radar. Well, by extension, you could be on the FBI's radar too, because you're connected to your friend and your friend is connected to this other person. Now, FISA isn't supposed to let agents investigate American citizens, but because of this degrees of separation thing, it can happen like a lot, like 278,000 times in the matter of a year or so. And the court opinion shows that the FBI was using these techniques to run searches on people who most assuredly were not foreign agents communicating overseas, such as protesters during Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of George Floyd's death. So here we have what appears to be a pretty clear series of offenses against American citizens perpetuated by the FBI. And this is just one reason why end-to-end encryption is important. Because if the quote-unquote good guys are breaking the rules, that's not good. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some more tech news to cover. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. No surprise here, but you know I gotta have my devices when I travel. I can't fly without my portable chargers and noise-canceling headphones keeping me immersed, and I'd be lost without my smartphone. In a new place, it's my connection to the familiar. I rely on it to get directions around town, I use my smartphone to look up things to do, or, most importantly, where to eat. In countries where I don't speak the language, my phone becomes a universal translator. And heck, it can double as a digital camera, giving me the opportunity to snap unforgettable pictures of the sights that inspire me and fill me with joy. That's the kind of traveler I am. And if you travel, you know what kind you are, too. That's why you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. If you travel, you know. A spirit of adventure lives inside of us. Nissan's SUVs have the capabilities to transform your spirit of adventure into actual rubber-meets-the-road, into-the-wild, true-blue-real-life adventure. You just need a Nissan and a plan. Or better yet, just a Nissan. You can hop into a Nissan Rogue and discover what comes next. Don't worry, the Nissan Rogue has your back. Class-exclusive Google built-in is your always-updating assistant to call on for almost anything. Just climb in and go. No need to connect your phone. Google Assistant, Google Maps, and Google Play Store are built right into the 12.3-inch HD touchscreen infotainment system of the new 2024 Nissan Rogue. No matter where you roam, you'll stay connected to home. 
Life is one huge adventure, and every day is a little one. No matter if the ride you're on is big or small, a Nissan Rogue, Nissan Pathfinder, or Nissan Armada can elevate your adventure and push your limits to something new. Your next adventure is waiting for you. Get in a Nissan SUV and go. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Okay, now we got a double whammy section for Meta. So, first up, the EU has leveled a 1.3 billion dollar fine against Meta, that's a princely sum, saying that the company failed to keep EU citizen data safe and private. So essentially the violation here involves transmitting EU citizen data to US-based servers, which is something that the EU is very much against without there being further protections in place for that information. So you might remember in past episodes, I've talked about how the fear about TikTok largely centers around this belief that it's a company that could be sending personal data belonging to American citizens to China. Well, that fear exists despite the fact that we don't actually have evidence of this having happened. It could have happened. I'm not saying it didn't. I'm just saying that we, we haven't seen evidence of it yet. However, here we have a case of an American company essentially doing the same thing, channeling EU citizen data, from the European Union to US-based computer servers. And you could say, wow, the turns they have tabled. And now Meta has been ordered to pay more than a billion dollars in fines relating to this offense. Now Meta, of course, plans to appeal the ruling and the fine. I think that's obvious. But regulators say that Meta's offenses are systemic and continuous in violation of the rules of GDPR. I think... Meta is hoping to wait this out so that the US and the EU come to an agreement on how and under what circumstances a US-based company can transmit EU-based data back to the United States. And part of the holdup is this concern that the US government could potentially spy on European Union citizen data. They could use it as a surveillance tool, which you might say sounds far-fetched, but we just got done talking about the FBI doing that to American citizens. So there you go. The other big punch to Meta's stomach this week comes in the form of Giphy, or if you prefer, Jiffy. Not the peanut butter, but the, you know, animated GIF database and search engine. Now, Meta purchased Giphy a few years ago for $400 million dollars. But then regulators in the UK determined that Meta's possession of Giphy constituted anti-competitive business practices and ordered Meta to divest itself of the company, which now Meta has done. Meta sold Giphy off to another company called Shutterstock. You might be familiar with them. But Meta did not recapture the $400 million it had spent on Giphy just a few years ago. Instead, Shutterstock purchased Giphy for the equivalent of $53 million. Now that's still a healthy chunk of change, don't get me wrong, but it's a far cry from $400 million. Ouchie. 
The U.S. Surgeon General has issued an advisory stating that there's not enough evidence to say social media is safe for kids to use, which I suppose you could flip and say, is there evidence showing that the use of social media is harmful to kids? I mean, I know that that's the, the belief, but what does the actual evidence say? And I think the problem is that there's not enough research to draw conclusions. However, there is a concern that social media could contribute to mental health problems among the youth, which at least seems to make sense, but we don't have all the data yet, right? So I don't know that we've yet been able to determine whether social media use among kids is good, bad, or indifferent. I think one problem with a lot of studies is it comes down to a chicken or egg kind of problem. And what I mean by that is are people developing mental health problems because they spend too much time on social media? Or is it that people who have mental health challenges are more likely to spend more time on social media? So it could be like a correlation, but not a causation situation here. It falls into a similar challenge of determining if violent video games have a negative impact on mental health. Do violent video games make people violent or do violent people tend to like violent video games, which could also be enjoyed by people who aren't violent at all. So this advisory is really meant to encourage families to think really seriously about social media use and to encourage healthy family behaviors. And I think that's a good message, no matter how the research ultimately shakes out. Rapper Ice Cube has a few things to say about AI, and they are not complimentary. He actually called AI demonic and referenced the recent songs featuring AI-generated voices mimicking people like Drake. Ice Cube said, quote, Somebody can't take your original voice and manipulate it without having to pay, end quote. That's not necessarily the case. As we've said on this show before, existing law does not really cover synthesized voices. You can't copyright a voice. You can't trademark it either. But Ice Cube's concerns are understandable. If someone is replicating a specific person's voice in order to make something new, that sort of proves that the original voice has value to it. Otherwise, why are you copying it? Why wouldn't you just make a, a new synthesized voice that doesn't sound like anyone in particular? If you're using AI to copy the style and the sound of someone specific, that kind of confirms that the original has value. And that, to me, suggests that we do need to develop laws to protect those things. And some states do have some laws that protect that, but it's not, it's not across the United States. And other parts of the world need to think about this, too. It's a brave new world to have such AI people in it. In space news, NASA has awarded the private space company Blue Origin a contract to land astronauts on the moon. The lunar lander will be named Blue Moon, which makes me want to launch right into doo-wop music, but I'll spare you, as well as my super producer Tari, from having to endure that. Ding-da-dong-ding, Blue Moon. <clears throat> uh, sorry, slipped out. This won't be the lunar lander used in the upcoming planned missions to the moon that are part of the early part of Project Artemis, those are actually going to use a lunar lander that's created by SpaceX. And that one is the Human Landing System, or HLS. It's interesting that NASA is using both companies for this purpose, but eventually the plan is to establish a permanent facility on the moon. As for when Blue Moon will see us standing alone without a dream in our heart, well, that's going to be like 2029 or so. 
Finally, IBM is investing a huge amount of money, like a hundred million bucks, and will be partnering with the universities of Chicago and Tokyo to build a quantum supercomputer that aims to have 100,000 qubits. Uh, and I guess that would be a hundred kilocubits. Currently, I think the largest quantum computer is IBM's Osprey. I could be wrong about that, but I think it's the Osprey. And as I recall, the Osprey has 433 qubits. Uh, IBM is also planning on launching the Condor computer sometime this year. Uh, I believe that one is going to have slightly more than 1,000 qubits, but 100,000 is tremendous. It is so enormous. Now, just a reminder, a qubit is a quantum bit. And unlike a classical bit, which can either be a zero or a one, a qubit can be placed into superposition, meaning it can be both zero and one simultaneously. Technically, every value in between as well. And it all gets very, very quantum. So I recommend looking through the Tech Stuff archives for episodes about quantum computing if you want to learn more. As for a deadline, IBM's looking a decade out with a goal of this quantum supercomputer doing science and stuff by 2033. And that's it for the tech news today, May 23rd, 2023. I hope you are all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. <laughs> 